Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. This is Taylor. And KJ. And Jessica. And we're so excited to have you guys here today for another installment of our awesomeness. Wow. <laughs> we're going to be... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling this one, obviously. <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about how to interact with, handle, love, support loved ones with a mental illness. And we've gotten a couple of requests for this topic, so we can dive right into it. All the good stuff. So, in your guys' opinions, what are the things that you hear the most from clients or loved ones on how they're confused about how they can help the people that they love? I often... so. I work with teenagers, and so I have parents that I'm working with who are stressed and feeling anxious about their child who is struggling with mental illness. And a lot of what I kind of sense from them is that they just feel tired. Like they feel like they've tried everything that the quote-unquote books say to try all the interventions they should try all the support methods they should try and they just feel very drained so i think what i would say to that and maybe to kind of start off this discussion is that i think when you are you know supporting a loved one with mental illness you need to keep in mind that your personal mental health is priority So if you are constantly, you know, it's compassion fatigue. Like if you are constantly giving to this other person and totally draining your supply, you are not going to be able to help them fully in the way that they may need from you. And so I think that's like the number one thing to remember when supporting someone is you need to be putting yourself first, which sounds, that can sound kind of bad, but it's true. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the oxygen mask in the airplane. We hear that lecture every time we're in an airplane going through the safety training. And they always say like, put on your mask first so that you can help other people. And I feel like we don't do that a lot in life. I think that you need to also give yourself permission to take a step back sometimes when it does get really hard and overwhelming, especially as a parent, if you have a child who's struggling, it feels like you need to be on call all day, every day to help that child. And in some ways, as a parent, you are on call all day, every day, but you do have permission to step back and do what's healthy for you. Your child is independent from you. So your job is to love and support and give them opportunities to heal and grow. It is not to heal and grow for them. 
Oh, and that's tough as a parent, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just want to do it ourselves. Yeah. And so I saw there was kind of like a mix in my practice of parents who would just kind of push their child onto me and be like, fix them. And then other parents who were very enmeshed and were trying to do everything they could to also fix their child. So I think you do have to find a healthy balance of being your child's like a good support for them, but not being everything for them. Another difficult relationship would be a spousal relationship or your parent having mental illness. That's another really hard one. I don't know. It gets really difficult in family relationships. Those relationships, like you mentioned, Bod, can be very tricky because it's hard to set boundaries. Because on one hand, you want to be the support and helpful. But on the other, uh, I don't know, it can just feel almost wrong to set boundaries with someone who might be struggling. But it's not wrong. It's very, very important in that relationship. Yeah, because if if you're going to continue to help them, if you're going to continue to support them, and you need to do that. And it's also important that they see healthy boundaries, that they see, because sometimes it can be hard to see past what they're feeling, and that's understandable, but they need to recognize that everybody's actions have consequences. And so we need to be boundaried and help keep us safe, help keep them safe so we can continue that loving and supportive environment, hopefully. I agree with that for sure. So I guess the question is, how do we be loving and supportive to those people that we love who are going through difficult things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what in your practice with clients, what do you tell, you know, the support system as far as how to communicate with these people that they love? I always kind of start with things to like avoid saying, because I feel like sometimes those are the things that we say the most because if it's just been so like conditioned for us. So we're well-meaning, but we don't realize that. Yeah, that is not helpful. Yeah. Like some things can be super well-meaning, but they're just not helpful. So I think some of them are just like, just pray about it. Although if praying is in your religious ideology and you feel good about that, it can be a good thing. But at the same time, it's not usually going to solve everything when you are in need of clinical help. So although it can be helpful, it's not when it's presented in a way where it's like, well, if you just prayed about this, it'd probably be okay. And it's like, no, it won't, you know, like if prayer could help me. It could give me direction. It could give me comfort. But at the same time, if I need more, I need more. So mm-hmm. avoid saying that sometimes things like just change your attitude or you need an attitude change or you need to think more positively or oh, if my you sister just used to always it, say, not with that attitude, you won't. Oh my gosh, right? Oh, she's listening right now. I hate <laughs> when you say that. She knows that she she would say it on purpose to drive me nuts. But it's that same, it's that idea. Just think positive. Yeah. And it's like, well, if it was that easy, they would have already done that by now. I probably would have already made that change if it was as easy as just switching your attitude. Um, the one that I think about a lot is when people will say, well, my friend so-and-so had this too, and this is what happened to them. 
And so, mm-hmm. and I feel like those, at least for me, whenever I'm going through something and somebody will say something like that, I was like one of the most unhelpful things for me as a person because everybody is so different. Cause you could say, yeah, this person did this and everything's great. It's fine. Don't worry. And then I feel bad that I didn't succeed like that person. Or you could share an experience where this person did this and their life went down the crapper. And then I'm like, well, now see, I'm going to go down the crapper. Like, it doesn't really matter, like, what type of scenario you share. None of them are me. Like, none of them are me. No matter how similar, down to the most minute detail, none of them are me as an individual. So it's not helpful to talk about it. It's really not helpful to go there. So that's one thing that you can avoid too. Yeah. And I think just kind of those things that can just discredit the pain someone's going through or, I mean, it's well-meaning, but it can totally invalidate as if you're just like, you'll be fine. You'll get over Mm -hmm. it. This too shall pass. Like those kind of things can, I think, come across pretty flippant and just like, meh. It's fine. Everybody feels that way sometimes. Like, oh, that's that's everybody. You're like, really? (laughs) So those are like lots of things that you can avoid. But what we can, you can add in, I guess, what you should or could be doing. Um, A great video to start with is Brene Brown's video on empathy. It's a great place to start. And she makes the point that Empathy is getting down in the hole with someone rather than standing at the top of the hole and saying, hey, do you want a sandwich? <laughs> like That's very nice. <laughs> Sandwiches are great, but it doesn't really help me when I'm down in this hole. And so it's having that visualization in your mind as you connect with someone who is going through something hard and saying, I'm going to climb down into the hole with you. And so maybe getting into that frame of mind before you talk to them saying, okay, what's something really hard that I've dealt with? Maybe when is the time that I felt depressed in my life or when have I felt anxiety? Because we've all felt these feelings, even if we haven't had clinical depression or anxiety or, but you kind of can say, okay, I've had experience with moments of this hardship. I'm going to remember what that feels like. And then I'm going to go and talk to this loved person that I want to support. And then you're going to be coming from such a genuine place because you're going to be like, I know what it is to be really sad, but I don't know what you're going through. Why don't you tell me about it? I want to hear and understand to the best of my ability what happened today or whatever you want to converse about. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just a matter of, well, like Jessica's talking about, she's talking about empathy. And sometimes it's just a matter of occupying space with somebody, like just being there with them. Sometimes there's really nothing to say and people feel like they're a failure for not having the right thing to say. They say, I'm not helping because I don't know what to say. I don't know what the right thing is to say. Sometimes your presence and your energy is enough for somebody. Sometimes they don't need you to say anything. They just need you to be there with them. Whether that means holding their hand, putting your arm around their shoulder, holding them as they cry, or sitting in silence. I think one of the best things that you can do when you're supporting somebody is get really comfortable with silence. Because... It can feel so lonely to hurt and suffer like that. 
and they know that nobody else feels that, but you can take away a little bit of that loneliness by just being there with them because then they don't have to feel it alone. Mm -hmm. I think you can say, you know, this is so hard. I don't even know what to say right now. Yeah. 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 Because sometimes, yeah, it's not about the words you say. It's just about your presence and being there with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's about making an effort and trying, but just remember that you're not responsible for their healing. And so it's okay to not have that right answer. But what you are responsible for is being that loved one in their life, right? So if I am the parent of this child, I am responsible to be their parent in that moment. If it is my sister who's struggling, I am responsible to be her sister, but I'm not responsible for her healing. And so take that responsibility, put it away, and then just be with them and say, as your sister, what would I do with you today? And then do that and say, you know what? You're struggling. What I'm really good at with you is if it was my sister who was struggling, I would say, hey, why don't you come over and let's have a Mary Kate and Ashley movie marathon. And then, you know, in between movies, we're probably going to sit and talk and I can be like, how are you feeling? You know, and have that kind of basis for your like what is good in your relationship already use that to build into let's talk about this hard stuff Mm -hmm. and let me show you that I love you and support you and I just want to be with you yeah I think you just hit on so many good things and one of them that I want to highlight is the fact that you were creating a conducive environment to a a conversation so something that just gave us a visual of was that she was if it's say if she was really interested in like talking to her sister and giving her a place to be safe and everything is putting them in a situation where they are comfortable where they feel secure where you're not going to have a ton of interruptions and everything where they can feel like they're a priority and it's nice and calm it's not like you guys are sitting at lunch in a busy restaurant and you have your kids there and you're like let's talk about this we need to talk about this you know it's yeah. it's like getting somebody in a situation where you're both comfortable and that they can be vulnerable because we're not going to be vulnerable in crazy chaotic hectic environments the environment really is key in some of these conversations so make create a conducive environment to that yeah just remember we don't do therapy in the mall for a reason <laughs> you know and so think about that like if you're going to be in a restaurant when you do it be somewhere where you can kind of have a private moment you can hear the person you can talk easily You're not worried about being overheard, things like that. Just kind of think about like, okay, what would I want if I was in a therapy office? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And be a good listener. That looks like making eye contact, focusing on them, responding to them, reflecting to them. Because there's always, and I know we've shared this before, but there's a difference between listening to somebody and hearing somebody. And especially in a situation like this, you really want to hear someone you want them to feel heard because then that's going to create a safer place for them and I think going back to your point Tay about you know grasping for the right thing to say I think you can go into that conversation or 
time with your loved one, just having the mindset that you don't have to fully understand everything that they're going through because you never will be able to. Mm-hmm. You're not in their mind. You won't ever be, no matter how they explain it to you, you will never fully comprehend what they're going through. And if you can just take that pressure off yourself, I think we can go into it just looking at it like Jessica was talking about earlier, like I have been sad before. I know what that feels like. And I know what that feels like from my own particular circumstances, but I can relate to that emotion and just go from there because if we get so caught up in, I need to do everything perfect, I need to do everything right because I need to really get this and I need to really understand what this person's dealing with in order to help them, we'll just sabotage ourselves and our ability to actually help. Yeah. And there are going to be times when you love somebody so much and you want to help them so much and they do not want your help. And that is really hard. <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be time after time when there will be someone in your family, someone that's close to you, and you know just what will help them. They need to leave this relationship, or they need to stand up for themselves in this way, or they need to change their job, or they just need to exercise, or you will know, and you're probably right about what it is. Mm But you need to have the patience to realize that it's their journey and it is not your job to force them on their journey. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, there might be an opening where you can be like, hey, maybe this job isn't great for you. Just think about that and then let it go. But Mm -hmm. it is really hard when you know, like in your mind, you know, whether it's true or not, you're like, I know this is what will solve their problem. They won't be depressed if they just break up with that loser. (laughs) But it is not your job to have all the solutions and it is not your job to push your solution onto them. Just be their support. And at some point you might find times where you can suggest and you can push and pull a little bit, but ultimately be okay with the fact that you might know what's right And in your mind, you know what's right, even if it isn't. But that doesn't mean that they're going to do it. Yeah. And the change won't take if they're not ready. I feel like as as a therapist, we see this time and time after again, whether for me it's a married couple coming in and one of them wants to work and one of them isn't interested in working. And so as a result, it doesn't take. And then you see the difference when however long after that, both of them come in and they're both humbled and they're both ready and they're both willing to do the work and the work just takes off. Like it will, yes, it will not happen if we are not, if we're not open and accepting and ready. And Mm -hmm. that, like Jessica mentioned, it's a journey. And sometimes the journey is hard to watch. It is hard to watch, especially when you love somebody so much and you just want them to stop suffering or you just want them to feel better. You want to fix them. Those are all very normal human things to feel, but sometimes they're not ready and that's hard. And it's okay that that's hard for you. Well, I think for the sake of your own mental well-being, you need to remove feeling responsible for yeah, them wanting to Yeah, it's a huge change. key. Because yeah. this is... This just makes me laugh when I think about it, but 
I worked with a therapist once who was talking about how he'd like poured so much into this client and, you know, the client was kind of aging out and he just said, pain will be his teacher now. <laughs> and he said it kind of as a joke, but like, that's but really true. serious. Like, life will be the teacher. Yes. Like it's yeah. not mm-hmm. you. It's not your responsibility to teach people how to live in a way that will help them. It, it really is your job to number one, take care of yourself and number two, be supportive in the way that you can, but also set boundaries and respect the boundaries that other person sets. Mm-hmm. And listen to our episode on boundaries. If you're <laughs> not good at that. Yeah. There's so many actually that relate to this, like our depression episode, our reflective listening. Yeah. Vulnerability. Oh my gosh. Just go back and listen to all 30 of our they're episodes. All, they're all very helpful. <laughs> differently. But it's true. We have, like this topic is definitely sprinkled throughout many of our episodes because this is the crux of life is that hard things happen to the people that we love. And that's so good that we love them and can support them. And it's beautiful to be there for someone who is having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like this really connects to holler, holler out our girl, Brene Brown again, but her, you know, the power of vulnerability TED talk that she gave, which was, of course, super awesome. But she talks about this in the context of children. And she says, you know, like when kids are born, they were like, they're perfect. They're these perfect little babies. And we love these little babies and all this stuff. And then as they go through their lives, they go through hard things or they start struggling. And we feel this need, this innate desire to restore them back to their level of perfection. We need to fix them and get them back to per- to perfect so that we can all be okay and we can keep going. And then she makes the point that that's not life. Our children and we are, you know, wired for struggle and heartache and all these things. And we can take this out of the lens of children. We can place this into the lens of being a human. You know, we can look at these people and say, I'm not trying to restore you to a perfect state because that's not what this life is about. You are, you are wired for struggle and heartache. And as long as I understand that and I'm okay with that, I can help you and love you through those struggles, but I don't need to restore you to a former level, to a former, you know, state of perfection, because that's not what life is. So sometimes it's easier to look at our loved ones that way. And I want to make a note, something that I'm thinking about is how important it is to recognize what our role is in that person's life. So if this is your best friend, then your role is to be a best friend. If like Taylor, KJ, and I, your role is to be the therapist, then it is your job to be the therapist. But don't mix up the two. If you are a best friend, it is not your job to be their therapist, which is wonderful because you have not had the training to be the therapist. So you can encourage them to go to the therapist if that's what they need. But remember that if you're running around and trying to be every role for someone, it's not going to work and you're just going to end up depleted and they're not going to be helped because you need to make room in their life for people to help them. The people who are supposed to help will help. You just have to make room for it. 
And the way you do that is by being in your role. If you are the mom, it is your role to love and support and allow your child to fail and then help them learn and grow from those failures. But like Taylor said, it is not the role of helping your child achieve perfection. That's not what you have to do. So remember to just take a moment with people that you love and say, what is my role? You know, if it's my cousin, but I'm spending all my time with my family gossiping about them, am I really fulfilling my role? Or am I just like, well, this kind of feels good to talk about someone who's having problems. You know, try and be really mindful. Am I fulfilling my role? Am I doing it right? And if you don't know, then just love them. That's what it comes down to, like love and support. And, you know, go from there as the base building blocks. But I think sometimes we get really wrapped up in trying to be everything to those people who are struggling because we want to help, but that's not our job. Yeah. Such a good point. I love that. And this thought just came to me. What do you do? as a support for someone, if they're coming to you and saying that they are depressed or anxious and you don't really believe it. Mm. What, when do we say, I don't believe you and you never talk to them again. (laughs) You're a liar. (laughs) Cause that'll really turn out well. Let me tell you how that's going to work really well. Well, let's, let's look at it from like the parent role. So Mm -hmm. your teenager comes home and says, hey, mom, I think I'm really depressed and I have depression and you haven't really picked up on that or like sensed that from them at all. What would be your next step? I think what happens is as parents, I mean, ultimately that response of I don't really believe it is probably to protect us, right? Like my child isn't actually having this problem. But more often than not, and especially the way that we are living today, there is a lot of truth in what they're telling you. If you have a child who is coming to you and saying, I am depressed, there is something going on. Whether that is they really truly are depressed or whether that is they need more attention. Okay, that's fine. Let's give them the attention and fill that need. Because people don't really create the idea of depression and anxiety or whatnot for fun. Mm -hmm. There's maybe a very, very small number. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the outliers. We're talking about the kids who are coming to you and saying, I'm hurting. And you say, doesn't seem like you're hurting. You laugh with your friends every day and your grades are fine. So I'm not really believing this. Is it for attention? You know, but really saying, you know what, I'm going to put my doubts aside, first of all, and I'm going to be here to love and support them. And through that journey, we might come to the conclusion that, oh, I wasn't really depressed, actually. I'm feeling pretty normal now. Maybe I was just feeling stress and that's a normal part of teenagehood. But put your doubt aside first rather than trying to make that point for them first because there could be a lot going on that you don't know about and really make room for them to share more with you. So, hey, I'm depressed, mom. Oh my gosh, I am not picking up on that at all. What am I missing? 
what has been going on? What can I help with? Like, I did not realize that AP Calc was so difficult for you. Let me help you. Let me find you a support, you know, and really validating and listening because there's something going on, whether that is true depression or it is a need for attention or I'm misdiagnosing my stress as depression or, you know, it could be a myriad of things, but there's something going on and give them that time and attention that they deserve to be heard. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And, and recognizing that your reaction as a parent is sending them a really powerful message. Like how you respond. You don't, even know. I cannot emphasize that enough. Kids will feel it and they will know whether it is safe to share these vulnerable things with you or not, Mm -hmm. but continue. No. Yeah, exactly. It's just (laughs) the way that you respond to them, you're sending them a message and you're setting a precedent for the future. So it's kind of like, if that takes you like like Jessica said, calming down, putting your stuff aside and responding in an authentic, accepting way to them. Because as parents, all of us are always like, I just want my kids to talk to me. I just want to connect with them. I just want them to know that they can always yeah. come and Until tell me they things. Do. Until they do. Until they do. Agree. Like, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, so it's like we want these things so bad. So set a precedent that tells them and that actually communicates to them that they can do that and that you are safe. Amen. And recognize if you are having a huge response and your response is anger and frustration, take a moment and look at that and try and figure it out. Mm -hmm. Because as caregivers, it's okay to go to therapy to process through being a caregiver. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have a child who is cutting and who is suicidal And getting that child the help that they need, but then simultaneously getting you the help that you need, because that's going to bring up a lot of stuff in you. Mm -hmm. Or having a spouse who's struggling with an addiction, you should also be getting support and help. And that's okay as the loved one of someone who's struggling. Even if you don't have the mental illness, it's okay to get the help that they're also getting. Yeah. Or that they won't get sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. When I used to work with sexual assault victims, we would have the primary victim or the primary survivor who's the person that was subjected to the sexual assault. And then we typically have a dad or a boyfriend or a mom or a best friend. And they were labeled as secondary victims or secondary survivors. And a lot of the times they never would seek treatment or they they felt like they weren't they didn't deserve that title because they're like, no, 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 like this didn't happen to me. This happened to them and we need them to get help. And, you know, I need, I need them to be okay and and all of this stuff. But what we wanted them to realize in that was that you are deeply affected as well. And that as a father or as a husband watching, you know, somebody that you love get sexually assaulted, that does things to you and it affects you and you need love and support as well. So it's kind of like looking at it in that way, like we are all affected and we all deserve help. It really is just such an important role for us to fill for other people. And I think that we, all three of us just, I feel like there's a little bit more of a serious tone to this episode because we really do feel the weight of 
caring for and helping those people around us and being there and realizing that it's not going to be an easy journey. When someone is struggling, it's going to be a hard journey for them, but it is really hard for the people around them who have to go through it with them. And that's okay to recognize and realize that it's a hard thing. But we hope that this episode gave you some good ideas to be able to connect and just be with people who are struggling. And don't forget that there's tons of resources out there. You can always message us if you have specific questions about people that you love who are struggling. We are happy to do our best to help you answer them or to point you in the direction of more resources. So Taylor's going to share with you guys our takeaway from this episode. One takeaway that you guys can use is to role play. You can role play in a lot of different ways, and this can really help you to kind of set up a good situation with somebody. You can write down your thoughts ahead of time, um, writing down some bullet points, some things that you really want to cover. You can say things out loud, sit down with a friend and practice saying these things out loud. There can be a lot of power in hearing yourself talk and knowing how things might come across. And lastly, if you really wanted to, you could go into a therapist, get some pointers, get some advice and talk to them a little bit about it and practice there. So you can practice ahead of time. It's a really, really helpful thing. And just to wrap up, I also have a friendly reminder for some potential new listeners. Uh, Jessica's nickname is Bod. So a couple <laughs> in times in this know. episode, you heard us refer to her as Bod, and I feel that that could be very confusing. <laughs> that is how I am ending this episode. This episode. <laughs> on helping loved ones with mental illness. So if you guys have more questions about that, please ask us. Um, this was kind of a broad overview. But if you need specific tips, we're here to deliver. We're here for you. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijich from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Bluebirds. Bluebirds. And so it doesn't matter if you say Elliot. Oh, I thought you were going to He's making so much noise. (laughs) I I want to talk to this person, but it can be really helpful to do. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the pocket, Logan. I was driving.